Uh, well, guys, if you have um, your Bibles, I'm in John chapter 6, one of my favorite miracles. I could preach this sucker uh, for, for probably a couple of months, right? I could preach John chapter 6, the feeding of the 5,000 people. I've, I, I got a hundred sermons written in my head, but, uh, but we're, gonna, we're just going to have one this morning, I think. Uh, we'll see, maybe some many uh, sprinkled. But, but here's what the Word of God says, John chapter 6, starting in verse 1. It says, after this, Jesus crossed the Sea of Galilee. Uh, a huge crowd was following him. Because they saw the signs that he was performing by healing the sick. Now Jesus went up on a mountain and he sat down there with his disciples. Now the Passover, uh, we only get this from John by the way, that Passover was near. Now the Passover, a Jewish festival, was near. So when Jesus looked up and he noticed a huge crowd coming toward him, he asked Philip, where will we buy bread so that these people can eat? He asked this to test him for he himself knew what he was going to do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread wouldn't be enough for each of them to have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, Well, there's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many people? And Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now, there was plenty of grass in that place, so they sat down. The men numbered about 5,000. That didn't include the women and children, probably uh, closer to 10,000 plus, right? Uh... It says in verse 11, Then Jesus took the loaves, and after giving thanks, he distributed uh, them to those who were seated, so also with this fish as much as they wanted. Now we know in other accounts when it says Jesus distributed, he actually gave it to the disciples, and the disciples were the ones that went and handed it out to the people. Verse 12, it says, When they were full, he told his disciples, Collect the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So they collected them, and they filled 12 baskets with pieces from the five barley loaves that were left over by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign he had done, they said, This truly is the prophet who has come into the world. Therefore, when Jesus realized that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he withdrew again to the mountain by himself. Now I'm going to ask you to skip with me to verse 22. All right? Skip with me to verse 22. We'll talk about what transpires in between. But it says, The next day, the next day, the crowd that had stayed on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat. They also saw that Jesus had not boarded the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone off alone. Some boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. When the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and they went to Capernaum looking for Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus answered, Truly I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate the loaves and you were filled. Don't work for the food that perishes, but for the food that lasts for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set a seal of approval of him. Well, what can we do to perform the works of God, they asked. Jesus replied, this is the work of God, that you would believe in the one that he has sent. Well, what sign then are you going to do so that we may see and believe you, they asked. What, what are you going to perform? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, just as it's written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Now, they're basically saying, now, Jesus says you showed up because you're hungry. And then they go, hey, that Moses guy fed our forefathers for 40 years. You only gave us one meal. Come on. Come on, right? That's what they're saying. Okay? Verse 32, Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, Moses didn't give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said, Sir, give us this bread always. 
Last verse here. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. No one who comes to me will ever be hungry, and no one who believes in me will ever be thirsty. Uh, guys, I, if, I, if I were going to, to just preach this, uh, this text on its own, I would probably talk to you about the provision of Jesus and how it's always more than we could ever need. Right? That when you, when you eat with Jesus, there's always leftovers. If I were going to just preach this to you, uh, you know, just, just the, in its entirety, I would, I would probably have to pause and talk about the fact that Jesus is the source of our service. Right? That we go to Jesus and we get full, and then we go to the world and we empty ourselves out. And we, we keep doing that. I've done some of that math with you. If I were to preach this in just its entirety, I would probably have to talk about the fact uh, that Jesus can do a whole lot with the little that we bring to the table. Amen? Anybody? Anybody else feel that way? I don't bring much to the table, Lord. But Jesus can take five loaves and two fish and multiply it and feed thousands. He can do a lot with the little that I bring. If I were going to preach this in its entirety, I would probably have to talk about Andrew because he's my dude. And when you find Andrew, he's always doing one thing. He's just bringing people to Jesus. And I'd probably talk about the power of invitation, that our job is just to invite people, bring them into the presence of Jesus and trust him him with the results if I were going to preach it in its entirety. But this morning we're preaching this text. I'm preaching this text with a very limited focus and that focus is the purpose of this study which is the signs of John that according to verse 20 uh, or chapter 20 he has recorded so that we might believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by doing so, we might have life in His name. And if I were preaching this text with that singular focus, I would have one main point, and it would be this. Right? Here it is, on the screen. That Jesus is our source of spiritual sustenance. Right? That, that's the big idea. If, if there was one big idea about why John recorded this sign, and remember in chapter 20, he says there's a reason so that we might believe in Jesus and have life in his name. If there was one reason then that this sign appears, it is for this reason that we would walk away understanding that Jesus is the source, the only source for our spiritual sustenance, right? And if you wanted to see the heart of the passage uh, wrapped up in, in just a couple of verses, it would be, uh, or verse, it, it, it'd be John 6, 27, right? John 6, 27, Jesus says, Don't work for the food that perishes, but for the food that lasts for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal of approval on him. This is about the food that lasts. This is about the spiritual food that God has given us through one person, his son Jesus. Right? That's what this sign is all about. That Jesus is our spiritual food. Okay? So, that's 100%. You can write it down. You can take it to the bank. That, that is, is the purpose. But we can't understand that fourth sign. We can't understand the, the feeding of the 5,000 without the conversation that happens the next day. Right? So, so the fourth sign happens. Jesus takes five loaves, two fish, uh, breaks them up, has his disciples go feed over, over 10,000 people. And then he says, hey, I, I want you to collect the leftovers. Uh, and how many baskets were, were full? Twelve. How many disciples were there? Twelve. Just in case you ever had any doubts that Jesus was your provider, every follower got 
a, a basket, a reminder, right? Then Jesus says, hey, uh, I want you now to get in a boat, and you're going to go across the lake. And so they start to cross the lake. Jesus withdraws to pray. A great storm comes. Uh, by the way, totally separate sermon. Uh, sometimes the storms in life you face are because of your obedience, not your disobedience. Somebody needs to write that down, right? Some of you are going through stuff, and you're like, man, what did I do wrong? Nothing. You're doing right. You're doing right. The enemy hates you and he wants to buffet you. That's the term that you find. Uh, if you're going to look it up in the Greek, he wants to beat up against you because you're actually doing the will of God and he wants you to question it, right? That's a whole different sermon. I love this text, y'all. So they're, they're, they think they're going to die. The wind and the waves are beating them to death. You've got sailors going, oh my gosh, uh, we're going to die. And out walks Jesus in the middle of the night, walking on top of water, deep water. Uh, and, 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 and it's the story. And, and they seem, they freak out. Some think it's a ghost. But Peter says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come. And, and Jesus says, well, come. So Peter gets out of the boat. Peter person like you, person like me, walking on water, like awesome, looking at Jesus, probably gets some salt water in his eyes, takes his view off of Jesus, remembers there's a storm, and that he's on top of water, and he sinks like a rock, cries out, Lord, save me, and the Lord does. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Could we preach a few things out of this little story here? Saves him. Then says to him, by the way, oh you of little faith. What does that say about the 11 that didn't get out of the boat? I'm just saying it's a participatory sport, folks. Let's get on the water. They get across safely. The next day, the crowds, the 10,000 plus that Jesus fed, wake up and they're hungry. Alright? I don't know. Uh, anybody like to eat at any of the restaurants that do free bread? Anybody big on those? Alright? I mean, do y'all remember? I mean, Olive Garden is still a thing, but it used to be the thing. You know what I'm saying? Could, had anybody else during their teenage, young adult years put away 20 breadsticks at one? Anybody else? Just me? Just me. Right? And then you took some home, didn't you? Right? You took some home. And I'd like an extra side of that Alfredo sauce. Thank you very much. It's really bechamel, but they call it Alfredo. Anyway, I worked there for a while. All right? Yeah. The only problem with that, you eat bread, you fool, but... The next morning you wake up, it's kind of like you just had Chinese food. You're starving. Oh my gosh, I need something else to eat. They wake up the next morning, they're hungry. Uh, they look for Jesus, he's gone. Only one boat was there. That boat had the disciples in it. They're like, oh my gosh, something cool must be going on. We gotta go find him. So some ships show up. They hop on those ships. They go over to Capernaum. They're looking for Jesus. And, and they show up. All of the crowd show up. And he's like, man, you came after me because you're hungry. And it leads into this whole conversation about Moses and about manna from heaven. And, and, and it leads to this main point that Jesus is our spiritual sustenance. But the text does a really good job of explaining what that means. And it gives us three points of explanation of Jesus being our source of spiritual sustenance. And he, here, here they are. Uh, number one, uh, first point there. What does that mean when you say Jesus is our source of spiritual sustenance? Well, it, it means that Jesus is the bread of life. That Jesus is the bread of life. Now, John is big on seven. It seems as a perfect number. 
And so, uh, so, so we, we've got seven signs that he records. Uh, when Christ is on the cross, uh, he records seven cries from Jesus. Uh, and he also has seven I am statements that Jesus makes, all recorded here in the Gospel of John. And here's the first one. We read it a second ago, verse 35. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. No one who comes to me will ever be hungry, and no one who believes in me will ever be thirsty again. So the question is, right, because the people show up and they're physically hungry, and then Jesus says this to them, right? Well, no one who comes to me is ever going to be hungry again. No. So, so it, it cannot, he cannot be talking about physical hunger or thirst, because these people are clearly hungry again, right? So he's not talking about that. He, he, he's, he's talking about something spiritual, Right? Our, our, our desire for God, our, our desire to be right with God. He's talking about spiritual hunger and spiritual thirst. Uh, the, the, our desire to have uh, uh, God in our lives again, to be in His presence again, right? This is about uh, righteousness. This is about um, uh, us experiencing the love and acceptance for God. That's what it's about. These are things that God has placed in our hearts, y'all. And, and, and when we feel empty, the reason so many of us have is that we spend our lives chasing after things, trying to fill a hole that the Bible says God put there on purpose. You don't believe me? This is what it says in the book of Ecclesiastes. In Ecclesiastes 3.11, it says, ah, He has made everything beautiful in His time. Ready? This is He, God. God has also set eternity in the human heart. God has set eternity in the human heart. And that's what Jesus is talking about. When he says, I'm the bread of life, and no one who comes to me will ever be hungry, no one who believes in me will ever be thirsty, he's not talking about physical hunger or thirst, he's talking about spirit. He says, no, nobody that comes to me is ever going to long to be right with God again, because I'm going to make them right with God. Right? Because I'm going to fill them up. Because they're going to have what they need. It's spiritual hunger and thirst. It, this is... Jesus' opening sermon, right? This is how he began his most famous sermon, Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5, 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Listen, guys, I love you. I'm, I'm one of you. I spent a good chunk of my life, like you, trying to figure out what was missing. And if you're here this morning and, and you're still searching, man, just know this is a safe place. It's okay. I'm glad that you're here. And we welcome you here. And, and we know what it's like to be looking, feeling like something, feeling like this, this there's, there's got to be more than this. Amen? Right? I think everybody would admit there's got to be more than this, more than anxiety, more than fear, more than working my tail off just to barely get by. There's got to be more to life than this. And if you've ever felt that way, the Bible would scream that God planted in you a hole that only He can fit into. What you long for is righteousness. What you long for, and, and, and that doesn't mean that you're super holy. It means that you are right with the person that made you again. That you're right back where you belong. That you're right in His presence again. And that's what we long for. We long to be with the one who made us. Deep down, we know something's off. And you say, what does it mean that Jesus is our source of spiritual sustenance? It means he is the bread of life that makes us right again. 
He satisfies that deep spiritual hunger that we have that we didn't even know that's what it was. All right? So that's where we start. That's where we start. If we're trying to understand that he's our source of sustenance. The second point, though, of explanation would be this, is that not only is Jesus the bread of life, but Jesus provides for our daily needs. All right? That Jesus provides for our daily needs. So, so the, the second day conversation, right? First day is miracle. Uh, then we have, we have the, the, the fifth sign, which is walking on water. We'll get into that next week, by the way. You should come back. One of my favorites also. Uh, and, and, and then uh, there's a conversation that happens on day two. And it's all centered around the manna from heaven that God provided in the Old Testament. Uh, we, we find that out in verse 30 and 31. When the people said, our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, as it's written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And and they're hinting like, hey, uh, that happened for 40 years, this manna from heaven. Who are you? You gave us bread once. Are you going to give us bread again? Right? Are you going to give us physical bread again? To which Jesus says, "Uh, that's me. That's me. I am the bread of life. Right? That's me. That's me. I, I'm the bread of life. I'm the manna from heaven. Uh, now to understand what, what he meant when he said I'm the manna from heaven, we probably need to go back and actually read about the manna from heaven. Okay? So again, if you have your Bibles, I'm in Exodus 16 now. And uh, we're going to talk about this manna that God provided. And so I'm in Exodus 16 starting in verse 2. Um, I'm going to read through 5 and then we're going to skip over to 13 and read through 18. Uh, Exodus 16, starting in verse 2, says, The entire Israelite community grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in the land of Egypt. We sat by pots of meat and ate all the bread we wanted. Instead, you brought us into this wilderness to make this whole assembly die of hunger. Now, these are the same people that just a handful of weeks ago they were crying out to the Lord for deliverance, right? They were, they, were, they were complaining about how hard life was in Egypt, and it was. So God sends them a deliverer. They're on their way to the promised land. And we're like, nah, I wish we were back in Egypt. How quickly our hearts change, right? Heart is deceitful above all else and beyond cure. And so, so, so they're whining. But check it out. God's good. God's good. Even with whiny kids, God is good. Parents, take a note. Even with whiny kids, I need to take that note. Uh, God is good. And so it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, verse 4, I'm going to rain bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. This way I will test them to see whether or not they will follow my instructions. So on the sixth day, when they uh, prepare what they bring in, it'll be twice as much uh, on the other days. That's so they could observe the Sabbath. Now skip down to verse 13. So it says, So at evening, quail came, and they covered the camp in the morning, where there was a layer of dew all around the camp. When the layer of dew evaporated, there were these fine flakes on the desert surface, as fine as frost on the ground. And when the Israelites saw it, they asked one another, What is it? Because they didn't know what it was. And Moses told them, It is the bread of the Lord that he's given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather as much of it as each person needs to eat. You may take two quarts per individual according to the number of people each of you has in his tent. So the Israelites did this. Some gathered a lot, some a little. When they measured by quarts, the person who had gathered a lot had no surplus and the person who gathered a little, no shortage. Each gathered as much as he needed to eat. All right? And then, these are pretty specific instructions. But then Moses gives one final instruction. 
it's kind of important for us to understand what we mean when we say Jesus is our source of spiritual sustenance. He gives this instruction in verse 19. I'll put it on the screen for you. It says, Then Moses said to them, I'm using the NIV version. I think it captures the best idea here. It says, Then Moses said to them, No one is to keep any of it until morning. So you're going to go out, you're only going to gather two quarts, and nobody's going to keep extra. Nobody's going to try to put away more than what God has said. Nobody's going nobody's to hang on to it. Guys, this is a daily thing, y'all. This is about trust. This is about faith. You've got to have faith that God has given you exactly what you need for the day, and you have to believe that He's going to provide it again for tomorrow. Anything short of that... Any collection on my own is a disbelief that God will provide for tomorrow. You guys follow me? Right? So that's, that's what's going on. So very specific, but check this out. Verse 20, uh, again, the human heart. It says, however, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until morning. Okay? But get this. When they got to it in the morning, ugh, it was full of maggots and it stunk. Yeah. Say, Pastor, what on, why are we reading about manna in Exodus? What on earth could that possibly have to do with me? I'm going to say this in love. Ready? Our hearts are exactly like theirs. Okay? Just like the Jews of Moses' day would go and they would try to collect enough sustenance that they didn't have to have faith for the next day. I love y'all, but we do the same thing today. It just looks different. We show up on Sunday only. Uh, the average Christian right now, considered a, a really uh, faithful attender, shows up 1.7 Sundays a month. Okay? We show up 1.7 Sundays a month, and we gather as much as we can, and we hope that that's going to get us through until the next time we show up again. And that is our full source of spiritual sustenance is just when we show up. We gather what we can when we show up, and then we leave, and there's, there's, it, it's just desert. And y'all, we wonder why our spiritual lives stink. Right? Because manna is meant to be partaken of daily. In fact, Jesus said so, Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6, 9 through 11, Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Will you say the next line with me? Give us today our... Our what? Daily bread. Spiritual sustenance is meant to be a daily dose. Okay? So when we say Jesus is our... Or is the source of our spiritual sustenance. He provides for our daily needs. For our daily needs. Which brings me to the last point of explanation. Just one big point. Jesus is the source of spiritual sustenance. Last explanation point is that Jesus is the key to abundant life. What does it mean that He's our source of spiritual sustenance? That He is the key to abundant life. Alright? And so I want you to look at His claim in verse 35. It's kind of a big deal. I'll put it on the screen again. Here's the claim. He says, I am the bread of life. No one who comes to me will ever be hungry, ever, that's a big word, ever be hungry, and no one who believes in me will ever, ever, ever 
be thirsty again. So you're going to be full. You're going to be so full. Let me ask you, come on. We're going to have a little shout-out moment here. We're in church. You can talk uh, occasionally, right? So I just want you to shout out your favorite food on earth. Okay, this was like an icebreaker in small group. Welcome to my small group, okay? So just shout. I'm going to point to a section, though. I'll point to like an area of a section. Somebody over here, favorite food. Come on, Aaron, let's go. (laughs) Brother, I've known you for a long time. I mean, it may be right now, but let's be honest, that's not what you want to be eating, all right? What? Pizza. Anybody else? Nacho, ribs, yes, ribs. Okay, somebody over here. Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A. Close on Sunday. Chick-fil-A, close on Sunday. Okay, um, some of y'all, if you know, you know. If you don't, you're wondering what that was. What? Chicken Express. I thought somebody shouted, chicken salad. I'm like, what is wrong with you? And that's okay. It's not my favorite. What about you? I don't want to leave you all out. Somebody over here. Cookies and cream. Speaking my love language. Nobody said steak. Nobody? All right, there we go. All right, good steak and potato. Little side salad with ranch. Lots of cheese. Let's go. All right, so listen. So here's my question. We've talked about what we love. Now, have you ever eaten so much? You guys know, like, you're hurting, but you know that that food is not just in your stomach, but you, like, you start to feel it up here. Has anybody ever been there? Feel it up here, right? Has anybody gone further than here, and you're pretty sure it's up here somewhere? Yep, Damien's like, yep, I've done that. Okay, all right. So listen, here's Jesus. We're not talking about physical. You think, ah, Jesus, Jesus comes. He said, you'll never be hungry again. Spiritually speaking, I'm not just going to fill you up to here. I'm not going to fill you up to here. Uh, he actually says in John 10, we're going to be overflowing. I don't want you to get images of that. You Spiritually, <laughs> spiritually speaking, check this out, John 10, 10. He says, I have come. He says, the thief came to steal and to kill and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and you might have it in abundance. And the word in Greek describes like, if you were to take, take my bottle of water and you filled up a glass... And I just kept filling it up and filling it up and filling it up. You get to the top, but you can actually, it'll actually hold more than that. It'll, it'll form a bubble that rises over the top, but that doesn't necessarily have to pour out. Jesus said, that's how full I want to make your life. Spiritually speaking, I, I want you to be overflowing. I want, I want, I, I, I'm not a cup half full. I'm not a cup half empty. Jesus is like, I am a overflowing cup. Spiritually speaking, for you, God. Which just kind of leaves us with a question. Here's the question. Ready? Does that describe you right now? Would you say today, as God is your witness, that that's your life right now? It's just overflowing spiritually. And if the answer is no, then the follow-up question is, then what are you going to do about it? Right? If that's how Jesus intends for our lives to be, then y'all, we got to stop. Some of us are starving because we're coming and we're gathering and then it's just turning to... We're wondering two weeks later, what, what, what happened? I, I, thought I, I thought I got a good word. I really enjoyed that worship or that conference. Or, and now it's just, oh, it stinks. So what do we do? What do we need to change? I've got some application points for you. I, I think that's the answer. 
uh, for what do we do from here. And, and, and the first one, guys, is we have to stop doing something. Uh, repentance is about turning around, doing the opposite thing. So the first thing we have to stop, guys, we have to stop chasing after fulfillment in the wrong places. Okay? We've got to stop chasing after fulfillment in the wrong places. Like, Pastor, what are you talking about? Well, this is common demand. Okay? So God put this huge hole in our hearts. Uh, we long for eternity. We often just forget that it's eternity that we long for. We long to be right with God. We long to be with God. God overfills us uh, spiritually. We have purpose. We have meaning. Uh, we are loved. We are accepted. Um, we forget that that hole is from God or we don't know that that hole is from God. So we turn to a million other places to fill the hole that we have in our heart. So let's just kind of walk through life. So let's say that you're somebody that at some point you felt like you were abandoned and more than anything else you just want to have a sense that you belong so you're going to give yourself to relationships you're going to give yourself to pursuing love in other places you're going to you're going to give yourself you you want a meaning of significance that you may you may pursue things or positions of power because that's going to you think that's going to make you suddenly feel known and cared for right because your whole life you haven't been so you spend your whole life pursuing... By the way, people charge a lot for that. This is free. Welcome to church, okay? I, th I think the average counselor is about 150 bucks an hour right now. So if you want to put a little extra in the plate back there later, that's fine. But this is free of charge. This is free of charge. Maybe save you a little on the back end. And the Bible says that what we're longing for, that thing that we're longing for is actually a hole that God put in our heart, and what we really want is righteousness, and again, that doesn't mean that, that, that I, I know, yes, righteousness means holy, holy, holy. But, but it doesn't mean that from us physically. It, it literally means that we stand in right relationship with the God that made us, loves us, and fulfills us. We want fulfillment. And God is the only person that can provide it. Okay? So step one is we've got to stop chasing after fulfillment in all the wrong places. And you go, Pastor, I don't know that that describes me. Well, Jesus describes you that way. He described me that way, right? Uh, Matthew 6, 31 and 32. Now, this only applies to you if you worry, okay? If you're not a worrier ever, if you've never been anxious about anything, then just ignore this. Don't really ignore it. It's the Word of God. But I think it applies to all of us. Ready? So don't worry saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For the, the Gentiles eagerly seek, uh, that, that phrase means they actually run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows what you need. Knows that you need Him. The next verse is, so, so seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. His righteousness, I've been talking about that. Being right with Him. And, and He says, and all of that will be added to you. How can I be right with God? Only through Jesus. Only through Jesus. So, alright. Uh, two more. Second thing. Once we stop pursuing the wrong things, we've got we to gotta turn to the right things. That's repentance, by the way. I'm headed in the wrong direction. I stop. And I turn around, I start heading in the right direction. So the right direction is Jesus. Jesus is the bread of life. Jesus is the source of our, our spiritual fulfillment, y'all. So, so we turn to Jesus instead. Somebody always, where, how do I find Jesus? You don't have, you just have to turn. Jesus follows us around everywhere. He's everywhere. The Bible says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. So how does he know where I live? Because he's with you everywhere. He's always pursuing us, always tugging on our heart, always kind of speaking in this soft voice in our minds. Hey, follow me. Come, no, don't do that. I've got something better for you. That's the voice of the Lord. And so we've got to turn to Jesus and said, and then finally, y'all, 
We have to make an active choice to dine with Jesus daily. We have to dine with Jesus daily. All right? I love you, I love you, I love you. Okay? I've been in your shoes. Uh, for those that are church attenders and you kind of come to church, you don't do a lot on your own. Um, spiritually speaking, I've, I've been there. Uh, I, I had a, about a year of my life uh, that, like before I was a teenager, and I, I, I kind of had started to turn from um, kind of what I was going through and turn to the Lord and uh, began um, just kind of showing up. And very soon that, that then grew from showing up and just studying His Word. And as I began to, at first I had to go to other Bible studies. I had to, had to go to church and I had to go to this Bible study and that Bible study. And then eventually I, I bought myself a study Bible. And I started having my own Bible studies with me and the Lord. And, and, uh, and, and, and man, such growth came out of that. We've got to dine with Jesus daily. If, if, if you answer that question earlier, and I said, would you describe your life as being abundant, overflowing? And your answer was no then I'm going to submit to you, then your problem is probably this. You've been trying to collect spiritual sustenance one day a week. And you've got to dine with Jesus daily. Otherwise, we sour quickly, y'all. How quickly did the manna sour? One day. Okay? How, how about, how about had anybody else noticed this in their life? The days that you spend time with the Lord, praying, seeking His face, worshiping, are radically, and the very, you could have a great day, and the very next day, what happens? <laughs> face plant. Right? Anybody else? Is it just me? I, I'm good at it, man. I, I like, I keep my hands in my pockets and everything. That's how I am spiritually. Maybe that's you. It doesn't have to be dying with Him daily. Okay, y'all? Um, I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to ask you where you are to bow your heads for a moment. And before I pray, because I'm going to pray um, for us, over us, before I pray, I want you to just have a little tiny assessment kind of in your own mind, in your own heart right now before the Lord. And you just ask the Lord, Lord, was this for me today? That's it, just right now. You just go, Lord, was this message for me today? Is this what's been wrong in my life? Is this for me today? Is it that I just have to eat with you again every day? Is this for me today? Just ask him. Father, um, I love church. <laughs> Jesus, I'm, I'm so grateful that you died for the church. I'm so grateful for this, this body of believers that gets to come together. Like, like something supernatural happens when we gather to worship. I love it. I love it, God. It changes me. It means the world to me. But it's not enough. This moment is meant to, to, to re-center uh, my mind and my heart and get my focus on you. But when I, when I start the next day, tomorrow on Monday, then it's up to me to spend time with you and to pray, and to seek your face. And I can't keep and store that manna from today for tomorrow and expect my life to be abundant. And so Jesus, I pray for a sweet spirit of conviction and a declaration from our hearts that we understand fully what you're saying when you say you're the bread of life and that we will choose here on out to do our very best to eat with you every single day. In your name we pray, King Jesus. Amen.